Okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there today. Yes, it is Groundhog Day. It is 2, 2, and it's also Tuesday, which means it's really Tuesday. And we are glad to have you on the City Church Together podcast, where we cast all things pod (laughs) and other things we do here. Uh, mainly today we're going to be reading the Bible and seeing, seeing what it says. Um, so uh, we are reading through Luke together as a church. So on this Groundhog Day, I won't repeat myself. I won't repeat myself. We're going to go to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. It's Groundhog Day. Have you ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? It's from 1993. I'm making a ton of various references to it. Uh, so Luke chapter 7 is our reading for today. It's going to be uh, verses 1 through 17. Let's read this together, and then we'll spend some time um, thinking about what it says and praying that God will make us a people um, who respond um, to this truth in our lives. Luke 7, 1. When Jesus had concluded saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. A centurion's servant, who was highly valued by him, was sick and about to die. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, requesting him to come and save the life of his servant. When they reached Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He's worthy for you to grant this, because he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to tell him, Lord, don't trouble yourself since I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another come, and he comes, to my, and, he comes and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Jesus heard this and was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found a great faith. I have not found so great a faith, even in Israel. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant in good health. And now here's the second story. Afterward, he was on his way to a town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. Just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was also with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Don't weep. Then he came up and touched the open coffin, and the pallbearer stopped, and he said, Young man, I tell you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Then fear came over everyone, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. This report about him went throughout Judea and all the vicinity. That's the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 7. Um, so now, um, I don't really know what I'm highlighting here uh, in, in our here journal where we say highlight, explain, apply, and respond in prayer um, and action. Uh, so it's tough to, to um, I, I want to highlight some themes here as we're going to take this all together. So when I read this chunk of scripture, um, there are a couple of things that I notice. Um, one is I notice the difference in the um, the the person, the people, um, excuse me, the relationship in the first person who is brought to health or saved from death and the relationship of the second person 
who was saved from death. And here's some of the differences in those, okay? Let me just list them. The first guy is um, is a servant who is sick, um, who has a centurion uh, as, or, or who serves a centurion. So a centurion would have been a part of the Roman army, um, would command a hundred soldiers. So in other words, this is a guy who is uh, a Gentile, is opposed to, uh, or, or should be seemingly opposed to um, God's people. Israel would be seen as an oppressor. And this is for his servant. In fact, you'll notice that that when the um, when the people come to Jesus asking for the centurion's servants to be healed, one of the way they appeal to Jesus is to say that this centurion, though he appears to be a bad guy, is actually a good guy. Because they list the way, no, he's been actually been very kind to Israel. He helped us build a synagogue. Like, there are... You know, in general, we don't like centurions, but this guy is special. So they kind of appeal to Jesus, and this is a guy who seems to be a Gentile, who seems to be in some way um, notice something unique about God's people and wants to contribute to that. And then we see, of course, with the centurion, you see his humility, because even though the people go to Jesus and talk about his worthiness for Jesus to visit him and heal uh, and heal his servant. When Jesus comes to the centurion, the first thing the centurion does is say, "You don't come to my house because I'm not worthy. You you are too good. Um, well, depending on what this centurion believed, you are you are too good a god or too good a, a guy or or too you know there's something special about you, Jesus, that I don't deserve to have you in my home. So there is an act of humility on the part of a Gentile. There's an act of faith on the part of a Gentile. And uh, and Jesus responds to this faith of this Gentile, not only Gentile, a Gentile who's wrapped up, we might say, with the bad guys. But Jesus responds to this faith and then compares it to, you know, the faith of Israelites. And so, so people who have been steeped in the law and know all about prophecies of the Messiah, Jesus points to this Gentile who's a part of the bad guys and and then go he goes and heals his servant. Okay, so then the next guy is a is a widow, and the widow has a son, obviously, who has died. And in this, Jesus does not respond to. Uh, so we have something opposite here. Um, obviously, we have a woman, and we have the weakest of society. She is a she is now a widow who has lost her son. Uh, which means she is now all alone. She has no way to provide for herself because that would have been the case in this culture. Um, widows with no way, you, you had to be attached to a man. So she was going to be completely dependent on the community around her to feed her, to help her. So she is she is um, completely dependent, out of sorts, um, and of course is deeply mourning, um, and, and the scripture actually drives it in, the mother's only son. Um, it she is she is emotionally mourning loss of her only son relationally and she's always look she's also looking at the destitute nature of what it means to be all alone as a woman in this society jesus here does not respond to her faith instead jesus responds from his compassion you notice that he says verse 13 when the lord saw her 
When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, don't weep. And then, So the woman does not ask for Jesus to come here. It's not the same thing we had in the story before where there is this faith of the centurion and, and, and this humility exhibited by the centurion and Jesus responds to that faith. Now it's just Jesus responding to the, de- to, to the destitute, the mourning, and, and giving this gift of life um, to, this, um, to this young man and, and his mother. Okay, so what do we take from this? Well, the first thing that I, as we talk about um, explaining it, or maybe apply, maybe we're, explain and apply kind of mix up together. You don't have to be crazy about keeping everything in separate neat boxes. But um, I definitely get from this that the Scripture um, and the Holy Spirit through the Scripture is wanting us to see um, that Jesus responds in different ways and that Jesus is responding to people that you don't think he should respond to. One is a bad guy, centurion, okay, we'll just throw him in the bad guy, and Gentile. The other is a destitute, unimportant, all alone widow. So someone who can't, you know, curry Jesus any favor. Um, we have the centurion who is likely um, rich. When you command 100 men, you know, you have you have some coin available to you. You have some resources available to you. The other is a widow who is about to have zero, nothing. One, Jesus responds when great faith is shown on the part of the centurion. The other is this woman doesn't ask or expect a thing from Jesus, and yet Jesus, out of compassion, heals. What there is in common with all of this is the unexpected nature of the people that Jesus encounters. And, you know, you, you, you may have heard this phrase before. I've said it in sermons before. But there are many ways into Narnia. Um, of course, it's, you know, C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia. Um, that's, that's an idea that comes up over and over. The kids go through the wardrobe um, in the first book, um, in the second book. Uh, I can't even remember how they get in in the second book. Um, some other way that's not the wardrobe. Third book, they go in through the painting of the ship. Um, so there are many ways into Narnia, and that's what you see here. One way is this centurion who humbly comes to Jesus and, and has Jesus interact with his life in faith. Another one is this woman who has Jesus unexpectedly meet her in, in her destitute mourning. Um, again, both, both of them have elements of faith, of course, and yes, both of them have elephant, uh, uh, not elephants. Did you not see the elephants in this text? Is there any more? Both of them, um, also have elements of being desperate for sure. Those there, but one is emphasized. In the, so that's what I, that's what I, t- of course, there's more meaning to this passage, but those are two, when we take these stories together, those are two, um, big things. Everybody gets into Narnia a different way. Jesus can sometimes just encounter us, and you're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And sometimes we beg and plead for him to show up, and it is that sort of, you know, continuing to knock at the judge's door, like the like the like Jesus tells the parable, continuing to ask, continuing to ask, seek, and knock, and look at this faith and perseverance. Sometimes we don't expect him, and bam, he's there doing something incredible. And sometimes we ask and ask and ask in humility, 
and is it's he responds to that faith and don't forget he does it with unexpected people a widow a centurion um, none of these are mainstream Israel so look for Jesus in the unexpected places do with that church uh, what do I do with that um, well one is I, I I keep my eyes open I keep my eyes open both for the way God works and I keep my eyes open for the people in whom God works um, sometimes that keeping my eyes open for those people means that God's going to give me an opportunity to step in um, just like you know there were there were people that stepped in for the centurion and went to the centurion so, for sure but sometimes sometimes it's just a blessing to watch god do something in somebody's life it's a blessing to watch god respond to faith or to desperation and frankly i don't, I don't want to miss that that's part of what keeps my faith moving forward and increases and grows and and matures me so keep your eyes open for god working with unexpected people and offering different ways, so to speak, to encounter him. He is moving all around, and he blows our categories out of the water. And so let's now be silent together and pray and ask God to make us a church that keeps our eyes open for God working in surprising ways with surprising people. Heavenly Father, give us eyes to see you working. Help us to calm and quiet ourselves so that we can actually watch what's happening, not to get so caught up in the pattern that we think we can put you in, but to be in the present moment with you, with our head up, looking around for the people around us and how you might want us to interact with them in a way that you run your presence through us to them or just to be a humble observer of your work and not worry about us having to take credit. Just taking pleasure and joy out of you meeting people in their pain, in their destitute nature, in their, in their desperation, and seeing you respond to simple faith. What a joy it is that you are a God that pays attention to the margins. You are a God that pays attention even to the guys that we think are bad guys, ready for them to exercise that faith. Keep doing it, God, because if you come to us and ask us who are the bad guys and who are the good guys and who are the people that deserve attention, we're just, we're just going to think about ourselves and continually point inward or to our tribe or our team. We don't want that. So, Father, make us instruments of your mercy and also make us observers of your mercy so that we can do what happens at the end of these scriptures where fear comes over everyone all at, the, at your holiness and your beauty and will glorify you saying, a great prophet has risen among us. God has visited his people. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. City Church, go and multiply the gospel on Groundhog Day.